just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your host, Ian Dawson Mackay. Today's guest is David Kelly. David is currently the general manager for the vastly successful King Sumo Chain and he's worked with some of the business industry's greats. In this conversation, we outline why he's been so successful, entrepreneurship, and provide business hacks that will help you grow your business and develop as a person at the same time. David has gone from building things out of Lego to being able to say that 43 million plus people have played with the products and ideas that he's created. In this chat, we can find out how you can do that too. David may not be as well known as initially some of the other people I've interviewed, but he's definitely going places. He's a very warm and friendly guy who's very analytical, driven, and has really shaken things up. If you listen to his journey, and we can find out those things that help you become more like him. But before we get to the interview, I am... Unfortunately, I'll have to give you a quick word about the affiliates. I've got to get those ad plugins somehow. Um, I've managed to build up some great relationships with some awesome companies. These allow me to obtain special discount codes, deals, and listener exclusives. Please go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates for further information. For example, if you're wanting to get fit internally and externally, then you need to try some of the awesome fitness gear and supplements that Onnit.com make. They do steel maces to amazing cognitive enhancers like Alpha Brain and Shroom Tech to a truly amazing line of kettlebells which are shaped in the guise of animals and superheroes, and you can't go wrong with that, and so much more. You really need to try Onnit and check them out. They've also got a great line in apparel and t-shirts, etc. If you use the code NEXTLEVELGUY, that's N-E-X-T-L-E-V-E-L-G-U-I, all is one word, in the discount code section of the checkout, you'll get 10% off all eligible items in your basket of great supplements and fitness gear. They're also offering a great number of free trials of supplements just now, which you just take advantage of, and... Um, I would recommend that you try them just now because it allows you to sample which works best for you and your system before you have to commit a full bag and post and packaging and all that sort of thing. For the other affiliates just now, I'm particularly loving The Natural, which is a pickup video guidance course by RSD Max, which if you search the site, you'll find a review I've also done of it and a question and answer session from Max. It aim is to help you become a natural woman by becoming the prize and actually making you understand the value that you can give. I also love Ross Edgley's new book, which is the world's fittest book. He um, provides some awesome advice on training, health, nutrition and building successful lives. And in it, he also outlines the philosophy and tactics he's just used to help him finish swimming around the UK without going on dry land once. And it's an amazing achievement. Um, another one is if you like Amazon, like me, then feel free to use and abuse my Amazon link to get some great discounts and bargains. I'm particularly loving a Kindle that I recently bought from there. And it's a favourite gadget. helps me pass time when I'm travelling. I can web search on it. I can read ebooks on it. I can watch films. I can download. You name it, I can do it on this thing. It's an awesome tool. 
it's a great gift for you if you want to treat yourself or with Christmas coming up it's an ideal chance to use and abuse the discount codes and get some great gifts for some your family members and friends you could also get some super soft super comfy and jeans from Barbell Apparel these things are designed to show off your um, very well um, achieved gains at the gym Again, if you use Next Level Guy at the discount code section, you can get 10% off your all your orders there. There are so many other offers from companies like My Protein, Under Armour, The Protein Works, Bulletproof Coffee, Me Undies, Gainbox, Dollar Shave Club, and so so many more. I'm constantly adding more and more in there, so feel free to check out use and abuse them as much as you want i'm always ordering um, adding a new companies looking at better deals now so if you think a company would be perfect fit let me know and we can see about setting up a partnership for all of these free trials special offers listener discounts etc etc please check out www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates you will not be charged any extra but i will earn a small percentage commission from the company for each sale that's used through my links all monies um that i get from that are then put back into running the site i really love doing this i don't do it for the money but it's always nice um i hope you have as much fun listening to this one as i did during the interview david is a fantastic guy and it's probably one of my favorite interviews i've ever done hope you enjoy Okay, just to go straight into it? Yeah, I'm okay to go straight into it. And I've done podcasts before and man, you're an awesome interviewer. I, I like I've listened to a lot of your episodes. So just like wherever you want to take us, man, I'm totally good going there. So we can just happen whatever happens. Well, it's always good to uh, you know, give some praise to the host, uh, you know, get my ego going. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean who else have you done podcasts for? So I've done uh, Rick Mulready, who runs a really popular podcast called The Art of Paid Traffic, um, B2B Growth, some other ones too. I just, you know, like, it's funny. I've probably done about 10 uh, over the past couple months. And I just have so much fun doing them because I remember what it's like to try to figure out what marketing is and starting a business and building a business. And as I have more experience now, I just like, I want to save people the headaches that I, I dealt with, especially just in my general career. So it's fun to give back and share. Yeah, I mean, and that's certainly something that they don't, you know, it's that equation into it, you know, it's like, start your business, have your idea, you know, gap, you have money. Nobody tells you how to build an audience, how to get, how to get it in front of people, you know, they kind of just go, oh, yeah, I have the idea, yeah. you'll be a success. And it doesn't quite work like that. You know, that's why I love. It's so true. That's why I love like interviewing so all these guys, because there's so many sort of unique things and then you start seeing similarities between them then you start seeing a certain outlook on life and what a difference it makes um so yeah i'm glad you're getting turned into an expert have you ever thought of doing one yourself it's reading your blog it certainly comes across as you do a lot of self-experimentation so i'm beginning to think you know is this something that you can maybe look at analyzing these kind of people that you work with Oh, man. Well, I appreciate you saying that. First of all, thanks for saying that. Um, you know, it's funny because this company I work for now, I'm the general manager of King Sumo, right? And another product we're building. And it's like being a general manager is kind of great in a lot of ways, because the way I was described being a general manager is it's like being a founder without the fundraising necess- necessities mm-hmm. or the fundraising requirements. And I think that's like a really good idea for anyone who wants to eventually start their own company to look into being a general manager 
And for me, it's like awesome because I get my hands on doing all these different things like hiring, firing, building strategy, coming up with product ideas, looking at profit and loss. So I feel really responsible. But I ultimately, at the end of the day, I didn't have to put like all this effort into raising VC money or something like that. Our founder, Noah Kagan, managed to bootstrap uh, different divisions, which kind of fund this new division. Uh, Noah's have. another guy that I really want to interview. He's got such a unique way of looking at things. So, <laughs> yeah. so can you go into a little bit about your upbringing? Because I was kind of interested, you know, how you were as a child, because you've worked with some amazing people and, you know, you seem to have quite a unique career path that's, you know, very different to the standard approach most people go through. So were you, you know, were you the guy that goes out and builds a lemonade stand? Were you always looking for the side hustles or, you know, did it come later in life? I think it is really interesting because there are so many different paths to entrepreneurship and a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the media today are like, I dropped out of high school. I was just always building side businesses and Noah's very much someone like that in the sense of, while he did go to college, he was always building businesses. For me, it was a little different. I uh, historically have just done things like kind of by the book. So my upbringing was I was a good student, so I wasn't someone who was rebelling like a lot of the stories you hear about founders nowadays. Got good grades and just kind of did it as I did it. I think one thing that always kind of drove me is I had a really, really great mom. I do have a really great mom who just let me do really anything I wanted. Uh, and I guess I had a good enough moral compass that anything I wanted didn't involve like killing people or doing drugs or something like that. <laughs> but I managed to do all right. And I think part of that came from also when I was very young, my father passed away. So it was really my mom, my sister and I for many years. And I had this sense of independence. So a lot of what I'm like as an entrepreneur is just by wanting to try things because my upbringing, I was always trying things. I was always trying to learn. I was always trying to teach myself because I didn't necessarily have as much of that with only one parent. And do you think that um, had an effect on you as a child? I mean, is there, for guys who are trying to get into this life, you know, with, who have maybe lost their fathers or not had a male figure in their lives, sure. you know, is is there things that you'd advise them to do is, or say somebody that's, you know, becoming a stepfather to a child who's been in that situation? Is there things that they can do to help them? You know, is there is yeah. is that something that can ever be helped, do you think? It's a tough question because like here's my kind of uh strong belief, but I I think there's some truth to it about entrepreneurship. So a lot of people when they see like successful entrepreneurs, they're like, Oh, these guys have it all figured out and they're just like really stable human beings. And the truth is like a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of really successful people within the tech space and the startup space come from like kind of broken families and broken homes and whatever that looks like for them, whether it's divorce or a parent passing away or like abuse or whatever it is that unfortunately shapes a lot of entrepreneurs. So I don't know if I'd say it's like a healthy thing to have to go through what a lot of entrepreneurs go through. I think like anything in life, there's an opportunity we have to decide ultimately what we do with it. Mm -hmm. So I have friends who had tough bring upbringings as well, and they kind of just like sit around and play video games and do all this stuff. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, right? Like it's ultimately their opportunity to choose, but we all have a chance to choose the path we want to take. And for me, I was always interested in business. I was always interested in entrepreneurship. 
I was always interested in creating things. I just never knew how that really looked until I would say the past three or four years. And I really put my attention once I found it. Yeah, I mean, because we we had a similar upbringing with having a great mom, you know, who encouraged yeah. us to do things, and yeah. You know, but I also, my like my, my dad's still alive, but he, we never had that kind of involvement, that, you know, you, that you see some people where they're the the large role model. So a lot of times I was mm-hmm. looking to films and TV characters, and I was kind of getting my understanding of masculinity and that from there. And I can and a lot of times I was a kind of strange child because I started thinking outside the box of what is acceptable in air quotes you know and i find i think we've a lot of guys struggle with that because you know they um, they've sadly lost their father or they've never had you know their dad around them and stuff and i think a lot of guys struggle with that and they try to find that thing that's missing and that's how they can sometimes turn to drink and stuff like that to kind of numb that pain and it's and that's why i loved your story was that you had turned it into a passion you had driven it and started looking for something in your life you know and you know you've you've had an amazing career so far so Thank i you. did i did notice that you you mentioned that you loved lego in your linkedin page i think you're the first person i've ever <laughs> seen doing that you know is that what drew you to that that you're always building you're always shaping things putting things together you, do you know do you like that kind of role oh man so first of all i love this question anyone who's listening to the podcast right now notice how ian asks questions that make their listener feel happy or their guests feel happy. (laughs) That's great to phrase it like that. I think that's an awesome question, man. So I love talking about this because that's something I actually did a lot of growing up where I just loved Legos and I loved building things. And really, I think that kind of shapes where I am now that I just really like organization and optimizing processes and looking at complex ideas and thinking about how to create them or build them. So as a kid, I used to just play with Legos for hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days and days and weeks until honestly, like my early, like teenage years, like post preteen, right around that time. So like 13, 14. And I think it really did shape me. I really do. I think it made me look at things differently and understand how to piece together things that are potentially complex and break down crazy ideas into an actionable plan of like, okay, how do we get there? Because that's what we say um like a lot of guys are sitting listening going, but I can't do that. I'm not creative. I'm not, you know, I'm not forward thinking or out the box in that sort of situation. I say, well, start playing computer, you know, a, a game on your phone and you'd be amazed at how quickly it, cha- you know, it shapes your, your hand and eye coordination and it gets you thinking and you know, jumping yeah. in. And then you start saying, do a bit more brain training before they know it. Um, you know, I like the idea where you had one of your blog posts where it was, you want to start a business. So I come up with 20 ideas for every couple of days. Just you put out whatever you thought, you know, you were building up that creative gene. And I think a lot of guys just struggle with that notion of, no, I'm not smart enough to start my own business. You know, is, do you, I mean, is there a yeah. criteria in your opinion that certain guys or well people shouldn't start a business? Or do you think everybody has that kind of business idea maybe not run it, but they've, they would be able to create their own business and, you know, get like the right people like yourself. Yeah, I really do. I really do. And I think there are two things that stick out to me about what you just said. The first is there are a lot of ways to make money and start a business. And that doesn't mean it's easy. It's just, I think a lot of times people box themselves into thinking that it needs to be the next Facebook or the next Google or the next Amazon. 
And the truth is like, there are so many chances and so many needs out there. So to give one example, I remember when I was in between jobs and I just like wanted to make some money real quick as I was trying to reevaluate my life and think about what I was doing. I was going through my like 25 year old crisis or whatever we want to call it. Um, I remember just having a friend who is like, yo, I'm a personal trainer. I have clients. And he mentioned briefly about meal prepping, right? So it then kind of occurred to me that like I could potentially do meal prepping for this guy and get a percentage of the cut. So at first it was really messy. And I think that's another really strong example about entrepreneurship. And this is what it was like working for Ramit Sethi and working for Noah now. A lot of people envision and think that creating a business or building a business is like this clean, beautiful thing that just happens because brilliant people are brilliant. And that's just not necessarily true. So there are a lot of mistakes we make. There's constant failure. And it's really a persistence and a readjusting that gets us there. And I noticed that with my meal prepping too, where after I would say about a month, I was making like $100 a week extra, which maybe doesn't seem like a lot, but then it's a question of how could I have scaled that? Like, how could I go to other personal trainers and say like, hey, we can make you meals. How could I hire someone to help out? There's a lot of potential for people to look at their passions or look at what their friends are asking for, or just try these small things and then figure out how to scale them later. Yeah. And that's the thing is people say, oh, but I don't have any ideas. And you say, well, what are you struggling with? What have you found a solution to that works well for you? Yeah. Can, like, you know, like you're saying, can you then scale that? Can you sell it to other people? Could you make a product out of that? And you'd be surprised at the, you know, like there's that saying that um, if you struggle, if you're struggling for an answer, go to Google because 10,000 other people have had the same question. So if you flip that on its head, there's a potential 10,000 customers right there who are looking into that area. Totally. So, what can you give us a little idea about your um so your upbringing like what was your sort of education did you go to university or did you go straight into you know working for the industry changers yeah the industry changers came came later uh that definitely was not an easy process <laughs> so because with- i like i like the the post where you said oh it only paid me fifty thousand straight out of college and i thought some of us would love that you know true <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And it's funny because I was in New York City at the time. So I was a 20 something year old just getting paid $50,000 paying God like $1,200 a month for rent. So I was basically breaking even every month. But for me, I had a really traditional education. And there's some of that that's good. And there's some of that that's bad. I think my biggest regret is I wish I explored just more things I thought were fun in university and when I was younger. And I think that's valuable because like now when I look at my career, by the way, and I think I did a good job of this in my career where I started out doing digital strategy as a product manager for a very large company. Then I went to working for Ramit Sethi doing copywriting and uh, like product consulting type of customer support market research type blend. And then I went to this company called Student Loan Hero and did email marketing and was a very early employee there. And now I'm running... Uh, King Sumo and SendFox, two divisions within Sumo. And I think it's really interesting to do things that we really enjoy because now as a general manager, and I think anyone who wants to be a founder, you become a better founder when you understand more things. So I kind of understand product management from my first job and what it's like to work with designers and developers. From writing with Ramit and doing customer service with Ramit, I understand what it's like to write good copy and what good copy looks like and what it's like to be a good customer service person. And then 
with Student Loan Hero, I understood more of the full marketing funnel and what it takes to build a startup. And what's funny is as I did all those moves, I wasn't thinking about, oh, this is what's going to happen when I become a general manager, when I start a company. It was more like these things are all fun. And now looking into the past, I can piece those parts together. So we all have a unique skill set. We all have a unique path that really helps shape the kind of founder or entrepreneur or just type of person within a business that we want to be. So say somebody's listening to this just now who's maybe 15, 16, you know, just finishing school. You've maybe got or somebody who's raising, you know, young kids, young men and that. How do you think they should change? Do you think the way a business is turning into, you know, the online we have to be able to digital marketing we have to use wordpress we have to be able to code and computer skills you know do you think it is worth going down the college and university route unless you're going for a very specific career you know like lawyer or a doctor where you have to have those qualifications or do you think you know would you encourage others to kind of grow the skills that you've been learning over these years that make you such a good general manager I have two thoughts on college. One is that college is so ridiculously expensive nowadays. Mm. I totally understand people who are hesitant to go to college or university. I think if I were in a position now uh, going to college, I would look into a community college my first two years, or I would look into a way to just get more of college paid for by scholarships. When I first entered university in 2006, it wasn't as much of a burden. So I think the financial aspect is one part, but here's the thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business people don't talk about with college. So there seems to be this general feeling of like, yo, you should skip college. Like that's just isn't valuable. Really what I think college is incredibly valuable for is forming friendships and learn how, learning how to be more of an adult and learning how to socialize and learning how to meet people and talk to people. So in business in general, I think the most important thing we have is really the accountability and the connections we have with others. So the reason why I'm in the position I'm in now, the reason why Noah's in his position, the reason why Ramit was in his position, are because we all have groups of people to support us and push us and bounce ideas off of and really collaborate with when necessary. And I think college does a great job of starting to not only form those connections, but also teaching you how to become like a, a not weird socializer. <laughs> And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, people kind of go, oh, but some of these guys, they stayed in their basement and they built their products and they had no friend. And you're like, but it's, it's not for, it's not the same for everybody. And it, I, I always find that interesting at people's different intake, uh, sorry, outtakes on college, you know, like how they view it. Because some people say, no, give up straight away and go and start your own business. Like my brother, for example, has two degrees and he now runs his oh, own wow. business and said he'd wish he'd gone straight yeah. to that, you know, but he didn't he never knew what he wanted to do whereas i'm kind of trying to build a business on the side of having my yes. full-time job where somebody else may come out who may have that drive and passion that can create a bit a product straight away and market it and never need to get a proper yeah. job you know i suppose it's like we're all completely different people but i mean if you look at like my nephews for example you know like when they were two and a half they were able to open up the ipad flick it open find their apps open it up close the pop-ups you know and then play their game and knew, they knew how to close it down and think you know and you think this generation coming up is going to be terrifyingly great with like it and stuff oh, like yeah. that so the landscape is really changing for that kind of people 
So, I mean, do you think things like WordPress, coding, should this be an integral training thing that you teach kids younger? You know, should we be getting them into this sort of thing? I think so. I think so. And it really does blow my mind, all these kids who are incredible with technology, right? Like, it's crazy for me, and I'm a millennial, and this generation after me, whatever the heck they're called, Gen Z or whatever, uh. they uh, they just are like insanely talented at the web. And what's crazy is just to think about the fact that they've had the web their entire lives. I remember what it was like when I got high-speed internet at my parents' house when I was like 15, and it was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And now these kids are like downloading these videos in three seconds, and they don't know the trials and tribulations of dial up it's crazy they didn't know the the, <laughs> the pain and the misery we went through you know when you're it would say downloading it'll take 99 years just to download a, a short <laughs> video and you're like oh come on the days of aol mail and uh, yeah that's what i mean it's like it's, it's so true. there it was there will always be businesses that are old-fashioned i suppose you can call it you know that people always need food yep. people always need toilet paper and all this kind of stuff but the landscape is changing. And that's what I'll say to people is give it a try. Keep your job on and you can build a business on the side. Anybody can make a, Absolutely. you know, like a small website. Anybody can try build a wee product and see if it'll sell and stuff like that. Life's too short not to take a yeah. chance. Now, you've mentioned, you know, you've dealt with some amazing people like Noah Kagan, um, Ramit Sethi, some, you know, like a massive, just two of the biggest names in the industry at the moment, for example. You know, have you started noticing a similarity between these kind of guys or do they look for people that fill the gaps in the things they're lacking or is there quite, you know, can you piece similarities between them? Maybe their outlook on life, how they set things up, their attitude on risk taking and that sort of thing. Yeah, they are both just incredibly talented people. And more and more I've seen insides of, of entrepreneurs that just uh, are incredibly talented. And I'd say Noah's pretty self-aware about what makes him good. And there's a lot of stuff out there. He writes pretty self-reflectively about how he got to where he has. I would say similarity-wise between Noah and Ramit, they're friends. So there are a lot of similarities. I think they're both very, very driven and persistent people. And I think that's a huge part of entrepreneurship, right? So Noah will work uh, the nights, the weekends, kind of whenever is necessary. And it isn't even like he does it to show. It's just like he enjoys what he does and he gets fired up about what he does. And Ramit was very much similar, where it's just like, go, go, go all the time. So I think that's a big similarity. I also think there's really... Uh, a wanting for both of them to create something that benefits the world. And they go about it in different ways. But my belief about business is like, you have to do something you believe in if you want to really create a successful business. And there are people who are like kind of passionate about what they do and they still create like somewhat successful businesses, but there are just so many failures along the way of creating an even successful business. There are so many missteps. There are so many things you're trying to figure out, kind of like riding a bike or doing anything in life where you have to study for it, for example, for a test, that if one isn't passionate and believe they're changing the world for the better or doing something higher than themselves, they're just not going to really create something that's as noticeable as someone like Noah or Ramit has. And I think a big reason why they've got to the level that they've gotten to is because they're just both fantastically talented at what they do and because they really believe in what they do. 
So what advice would you then give somebody who is thinking, okay, I'm really, you know, I'm keen on what I want to do, but how how do they make sure that they're not just keeping creating, you know, like that they're building on what they've created, you know, that they're actually just, because, you know, we sometimes fall into that lure of, oh, I'll start another show, I'll start a podcast, oh, I'll start a you know, like a phone and radio show, but they forget to keep everything ticking over and they kind of dilute their focus and you end up with some mediocre items instead of one amazing venture. Yeah. You know, how how is like Noah and Ramit and yourself, obviously, how do you keep that product developing? And, you know, like at what point do you start looking to say, okay, let's create something new? Or is your focus solely on keep building what's currently there in your role? I th- so that's a really, really uh, difficult thing to understand. And the truth is, I think it comes with a lot of failure, right? So like a great example is within King Sumo, we came up with this idea about a month ago to launch this referral tool where we help people generate referrals from their existing customers. And it just hasn't really gone well. And people are surprised to hear that because they're like, yo, like Sumo has been so successful and like you guys have launched so many things between Sumo App, Sumo and King Sumo. And like they just don't see that that's not necessarily true. So this referral tool in a lot of ways has just been like a nightmare. Like we just haven't able to build, been able to build it. We're doing a lot of custom development, which is very, very costly for us to do for our limited amount of subscribers, very far into the red on the ROI. So when I think of just generating ideas and when I think of how to persevere with ideas, there are a couple of things that come in mind. So one is Noah has a really valuable saying that if anyone did anything for about a year straight, they would most likely be successful. They would most likely be successful. And I think there's truth Love to that. that. Yeah. And what I think an extension of that, though, is, is that we're probably not going to be successful with this referral tool because we also just don't care enough about it. We have another tool that we're really excited about, about sending emails. And the referral tool will probably do fine. Like we'll just keep building it on the side as like people request things and then just eventually push it out. But if we want to do something that takes a year and that continues for a year, it really requires us to actually be passionate about the idea. So I think it's totally normal. And we saw this with Ramit too, that a lot of our courses just didn't do well or we didn't even launch a lot of courses. I think it's normal to kind of cycle through things and just feel like after a month, let's say, is a good timeline that we look at with Noah, where we launch something and then after a month, we see like, are we passionate about this? Are the early signs positive? And if not, we kind of just go back to the drawing board, whether it's adjusting our marketing strategy, if we're really passionate about it, adjusting our feature set, if we think we missed the mark kind of, or just moving on to a new idea. So what do you think makes you that person that, you know, what is it about you, do you think, that draws um, you to them? You know, what what is your characteristics or your outlook in life or the way that you approach, you know, the projects? Because these are like some amazing people that you work for. How, you know, what is it, do you think, that makes you the choice? Because like, you always seem to be involved in some of these amazing projects, so... Is there, is there a certain outlook on things? Do you have a certain skill range, you know, that just attracts them? Or do you network like crazy? You know, what, what do you <laughs> think it is that makes you the guy that 
keeps these things going you know behind the scenes and should get a lot more credit for a lot of the stuff oh thanks for saying that um you know to be honest i think like a lot of it is is luck and i think people discount luck uh quite a bit with that said i think part of the reason why i have the luck i do not all the reasons sometimes luck is just luck but I've done a really good job out of necessity when I moved to San Diego of meeting a lot of people and becoming friends with a lot of people and treating them with respect and just like having general curiosity. And that was because when I moved to San Diego, I just like didn't know anyone. I had one friend here who was just busy with a job (laughs) most of the time. So I would always reach out to people on LinkedIn of companies that I admire and be like, hey, can I take you to coffee just to hear about like what you do? It'll take 15 minutes. A lot of times I heard back no. A lot of times I heard no responses. I would say probably 20% of the time I heard back yeses. And after like three to four years of doing that, I eventually got meeting better and better people. And then I think as I met these people, like I also need to prove myself, right? So meeting them is only part of the process. And I think it's just like they were looking for someone with the skill set that I thankfully had at the time. And I've been turned down from a lot of jobs. So it's not to say I get every job I want by any means. But it's like Noah about a year and a half ago needed someone to help him with marketing and like organizing and optimizing a lot of his business process on his personal blog and elsewhere. And then it just kind of transitioned as I worked harder and harder. So I would also say my skill set is just putting in uh, like pretty consistent and persistent work. That's really how I am. So a lot of people say think smarter, not harder. I try my best to do that. But if I'm being honest, I'm more of this to just like, okay, I'll outwork people. Like I'll put in more hours than people. And that's what I'm able to do at this phase in my life. It's probably not going to last forever, but I think it works all right for now. So how, I mean, how's your viewpoint on starting a new project or, you know, do you let other people come up with the ideas and then you start building up the the kernel of the idea and giving it flesh and, you know, kind of making it into what it may become? Or are you the, are you the more creative behind the scene and sort of throwing the ideas and looking at the evolution of things? You know, I mean, is there like is the vibe and the energy in the, each of these kind of businesses and companies that these guys have created, do they encourage that, you know, to, to get you to throw ideas in or are they very kind of, this is the way we're going. This is why I want you to shape. I, so for me personally, I'm much better at execution than I am at coming up with ideas. So there are a lot of people who are really good at strategizing and just like coming up with crazy ideas I think this goes back to what we talked about earlier in the conversation where like I'm better at just coming up with an understanding of how to execute on the ideas and make them happen. So I'll give you a real example. We're working on a new tool right now called SendFox, which is going to be an email service provider, essentially replacing MailChimp or ConvertKit or AWeber for people. And we're going to do some interesting things with it. And the way this idea formed was Noah was like, yo, I've always wanted to create an ESP. What would it look like if we did? And Both him and I have done a lot of email marketing, so it's us discussing it a little, and then it's me really working with our developer and designer to say, okay, these are things I actually want, and then going to research and figuring out what our customers want, and then thinking through the process of how to execute. So I'd say in this current role that I'm in right now, I do a little bit of everything. The strategizing is is tougher for me. It's something I'm learning to be better at. But really, I think any founder can dip his his head in any area or any GM can dip his head in any area. 
and at least have a basic understanding of how to do different parts. And that's what I like to think I can do as well. So when I talk to developers or designers or Noah, I can speak their language and make it easier for them to both trust me and to execute on the ideas we have and come up with. And have you seen a, a similar situation with that with Ramit? You know, was was there a situation where he kind of came up with ideas and then you went and carried it on? You know, or what kind of role did you have? Were they similar in the different companies? With Ramit, I was actually much more entry level. <laughs> I was younger. That was, uh, I think, like five years ago at this point. Crazy how time flies. So I was doing more of just like general copywriting and helping kind of like with the market research aspect of stuff. So those ideas would typically come from a higher level. I know when Ramit was coming up with ideas, he typically had like a group of people he would talk to, like a very select brain trust that would help conceptualize the ideas and they would talk through ideas together and then it would come down from there. So I think Ramit is much more calculated as a as an entrepreneur i think he looks at everything through like a number lens and i think he is exceptional at that i think noah is more of a like just gut and intuition person and those strategies both work really well because noah's gut and intuition works very very well for him so as a founder as a gm as a like ceo whatever people turn into being it's understanding that we can leverage our own skills knowing that like Ramit and Noah are different, but they're also both similar in the fact that they're very successful. They just kind of approach things through their lens, and it's possible to do that. And it's probably one of the like a big takeaway if you look at you know this, it's a similar situation in the different companies where they they are the ones that have the driving force and set the environment and stuff, but they still have people that they fall back to ask questions. They, you know, they, they ask for help and assistance and then they put the people in place to then start building and creating ideas. They know they don't have the skills necessarily, but they can hire yeah. the right people in for it. And this is why I always say to people, it's like, you don't need to do it all yourself. You know, you're not going to go and you're not going to go and try learn jujitsu by yourself. Well, you're not going to get very far. <laughs> You're going to go and get a coach. You're going to get training partners. You know, so why do you think you're going to be able to do your business the same way? Um, so what made you leave Ramit at the time? Like, obviously, you know, if it's a personal reason, but I mean, what, how should somebody know when it's the right time to leave a business, to leave a venture and move on with their evolution of their career? Do you think there is certain points or is it just a case of the situation was right, better money and... You know, how did you analyze yeah. it was the right time for you for your your career progression? Yeah, it's varied from time to time. And I think there's just like an intuitive feeling a lot of times that it's no longer the right fit. So I've left three jobs now in my career, <clears throat> at least three like full-time post-college jobs. Uh, and each one has kind of been different. So like my most recent one was Student Loan Hero. I had this opportunity with Noah and it was just an amazing opportunity I couldn't pass up. And I've gotten a little more calculated in my career as time has gone on. So my thought was, okay, like being a general manager opens me up to both meeting incredible people, enjoying myself by having more responsibility and leaving hopefully more of an impact on the world and having a chance to work with someone I really admire in Noah, who I think is just like one of the the most brilliant people I've ever worked with and I work very well with. So I don't know if there's like a right or wrong time to leave 
uh, a job, it's kind of like leaving a relationship or like moving to a different city or something where like there's kind of just like an internal sense of, of I need to do this or this is the right thing or like whatever it is. And of course, there are times where people get laid off and fired and things like that happen. Uh, so that's a little different. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think there's no right or wrong. It's just like whenever you feel the need to, to leave, you, f- you feel the need and that's what you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, glad you said that because I have noticed that right across the wide range of people who I've interviewed, one of the things I've always stood out is people talking about trusting their instinct, trust you know, trusting their gut um, opinions and things. And it's really interesting that like we can think about things and analyze and pros and cons, but your your stomach tells you basically the answer of what you need. Yeah, you know, you know. You know, in your in your head and your stomach, or how you feel about something when it's right to leave a relationship, a job, a business to take that chance, and it's it's really interesting to see like successful people how much they also rely on their instinct and just that feeling in their gut about yeah, it's the right time or no, that's not going to work. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, people make mistakes, but it's it is quite interesting how it's like we've got a kind of six. I was going to say six cents. Um, <laughs> an interesting film. Um, you know, it's like we've got that sense where we kind of go, oh, okay. You know, it's just that little bit of back going, listen to me, and we can go. You know, I think people dilute it down and forget about it when they watch TV. They just go to the pub, they bore themselves. Um, so, how would you say, you know, you mentioned earlier about going out and you know buying coffees and try to build up relationships with these people and just generally treating them like people yep. rather than a, a career progression like some people do what other kind of things did you find worked you know was it putting your cv online was it emailing people was it going to conferences was there anything else that you kind of did or you know because you mentioned luck there but i mean you must yeah. you know i take it because you seem like a very kind of organized and planned guy you know was there stuff that you did while you were trying to build up this career path i think networking is by far the best thing i've ever done and networking doesn't necessarily at least for me mean going to conferences and meetups i generally speaking despise conferences and meetups i just hate them it's just like always weird i just like I don't know. Maybe I'm like a little hermit and I don't like to leave my apartment. But (laughs) for me, what it meant a lot of times was just like, I see cool people doing cool things. I want to become their friend or like, I want to know what they they do. And that's really what's given me every really good career opportunity I've had. And what that also enables is like, we really need a support system if we want to become entrepreneurs, if we want to create businesses, if we want to be general managers. Because I now have a group of people through this outreach and through meeting like friends of friends that I can go to and be like, yo, like our business is struggling in this way or our business is doing well in this way. Like, what are you guys thinking of now? What do you guys do in some situation like this? So it offers the opportunity to have like a team in your corner so you don't have to do it alone as you were explaining. You're not trying to learn jujitsu alone. I'd say that's the biggest thing I've done. And then also the understanding that you're going to fail a lot. And I still fail all the time. I mean, with my cold outreach, when I reach out to people about coffee, even now that I can brag about working for Ramita Noah, like 
half of the people just don't respond even more than that. They're just like, I don't care who you are. <laughs> so understanding that that's going to happen is uh, part of the process. Well, I've said it a few times, but some people are just dicks. <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> there's always going to be that people that think they're better than other people, but you notice the likes of like Ramit, Noah, Tim Ferriss, there are these kind of people that, you know, they're so warm and they're friendly and they treat you like people like humans, you know, and they, they just, they have just this natural like energy about them. It, it's the same like with yourself that, you know, it's the warmth, the friendliness, the, the excitement for life. And these are the kind of people that I love to have yeah. on the show. And this is why I'm so excited to have you on because I could feel that about you, that you were so like your, your outlook on life was just one of joy and discovery and evolution and, you know, it's really it's really hard to find nowadays. You know, I mean, do you find I did notice something that in your blog, um, I don't know if you want to give a wee sh- you know, URL shout out here, um, there's a lot of self experimentation. You know, you had a quite a diverse range of topics that you covered. Have you been kind of in um influenced by the likes of like Tim Ferris, you know, that whole self experimentation industry that's kind of built up or have you always been somebody that's quite thought i'll give that a shot i'll give that a shot see how it goes yeah very much so and thanks for thanks for reading my blog you're one of like 30 people (laughs) in addition to my mom who reads it still it used to be pretty popular then i just stopped posting so thanks for being one of 30 people nowadays to read it but uh i always really really like experimentation And at the end of the day, like the way I think about life is like my job in in my life, as far as what I see, and everyone has different ideas of what their life purpose is and all that stuff. It's just like, how can I be the best I can possibly be and like give the most back to the world, right? And like that changes every day. I think people think about purpose and they're like, oh, I need to know that exactly I'm going to create this business. And like, that's my purpose in life. I think it's more broad than that. Like some days my purpose like in the past it was to work for Remit or it was to work for student loan here or it's to work for Noah right now but it's more like how can I just make sure that I'm putting the most effort in and I'm setting myself up for the most success so on my blog you'll notice stuff about finances which makes sense because I work for Remit works for Remit and me optimizing my finances to make my life easier to do the things I want to do you'll notice a lot of stuff about health because I was trying to put on weight to be more muscular Uh, You'll notice some stuff just about like introspection and thinking about what it was like to turn 30 recently and how I kind of viewed that. And I think it's important to step back and really think about those things because at least for me, it's easy to get so trapped in the day-to-day of life and forget about that. So I try to take time as often as I can, sometimes on plane rides, other days during the weekend when it just calls to me and do some of that every once in a while. So... Is there such a thing as a, a general day for you? You know, do you are you one of these people that preps their meals for the week? Do you get up and do meditation? Do you know? Do you do visualization? You know, have has there been uh, like a like a shutdown routine that you do at night or a wake up routine that you do? You know, what what's an average day for you look like? It varies a lot, but I'll say what I try to do. (laughs) And I don't always do this, which is like the endless pursuit of perfection in life, I guess, is there's a couple of things I do. So one is every Sunday, typically, or Monday morning, 
I have my meeting with Noah every Monday where we just kind of go over what's going on with the business, like things I'm struggling with, things that I want his opinion on. So I do a lot of that prep on Sunday. I would say typically like one to two hours of prep on Sunday. And I also lay out four to five things I want to do every weekday. And I'll start that on Sunday. So it's like, okay, this Monday I want to do X. So this Tuesday I want to do Y. Wednesday I want to do Z, whatever it is, all the way to Friday. And it helps me do that on Sunday because I think as a GM, I think as an entrepreneur, I think as a business owner, a lot of us can get so distracted by just like these fires we have to put out and these things of people being like, yo, I need help with this, this email, whatever it is. So this helps me stay ultra focused because on Sunday, I'm able to look at the week as a whole. I'm able to step back and say, what are the most important things for our business to succeed? And then I can write those things down and get as many of them done each weekday as possible. And usually I'll get them all or like 80-ish percent done by the end of the week. Sometimes midweek, I'll realize a more important thing comes up, so I'm not locked into that. So that's typically how I do Sunday. And then every single weekday, I do two things. One is I start my morning off by doing anywhere from like a five to 20 minute meditation, depending on how long I can sit and meditate without going crazy. And then the second thing I do is before I log on to Slack or before I check my email, and I'll start my day around 6.30. So before I log on to anything, I'll try to get one thing done from my list each day. So if it's Monday, for example, and I have five things on my list, and one of those things is draft an email to our subscribers, I'll try to get the one done that day that I think is the most important before I go on to Slack, before I start getting distracted, before my mind just goes into like totally monkey mind space and I'm just panicked. And it really helps. It really helps get it going. <laughs> I mean, that's that's probably another great takeaway from this is the number of people who are very successful that have a set ritual, that have a routine, you know, that they analyze the week ahead that you know they're not just kind of oh I'm gonna go back to work on Monday and then you know they kind of think okay what do I want to get out of this week or what you know maybe they look at the last week and see how they can improve it and then you've got like you know the rituals that you do each morning and some people it might be exercise some people it might be meditation do you use anything for meditation do you use like headspace or anything like that Uh I mean first of all I suck at meditation when I do it alone (laughs) I think that's a valuable thing to admit because also Oh, I've been there. <laughs> it also ties into what I was talking about with needing support systems. So here's something that's really interesting. I've done a 10-day silent retreat before up around Yosemite. So a Vipassana retreat for people who might be familiar. I've also done some things like Mankind Project, so some introspective stuff. I've done a Zazen Kai, which is a weekend meditation Buddhist uh, philosophy. And it's like when people hear that, they're like, wow, you must be so good at meditation and just sitting. And honestly, a lot of the times when I try to meditate at home by myself, it's like I can easily just walk to my computer. I have no self-restraint. I meditate for 30 seconds and I just can't concentrate. So what I'm actually going to do now is I'm going to do this thing called MBSR, which is a weekly class for about two months where every Wednesday you go for two hours and you meditate with people and they teach you best practices and all that fun stuff. And I think it's valuable because it's going to get me back in the habit. So it's like, even if we've done something a lot, like I have with meditation, it's so easy to fall out of the habit when we're left to our own devices. Most of us, myself included, just don't have good enough willpower to really fight through that. We need support groups to help us. So that's where meditation is with me. 
Yeah, I, mean, I love that. I mean, I, I had to use the the Headspace app because it was a guided meditation. You know, they yeah. gave you te- ten minutes like from start to finish and the guy spoke with you the whole time and i found my mind would be wandering at 50 60 things because you know i've got jujitsu i've got my work i've got um interviews i'm prepping for the next one i'm pre- i'm getting the the last one out um and there's so much on and your mind goes 50 miles an hour so i needed that kind of person that will teach me it but you look at some of these guys um who do interviews and they'll say I get up at six o'clock and I meditate for two hours straight. Then I get up and have a cold shower and then I exercise for an hour. And you're thinking, no normal person can do that. You know, these (laughs) people, they have their life set in a way and some of it's BS, you know, but you know that it it does work having a routine, uh, a way of looking to the future. And it's really interesting to see that such successful people, yourself included, all have a, a routine that works for them. It might not be the same as everybody else's, but it's things that focus you, that kind of center you before you go. And it's since I've started trying building a bit of a routine in my own life, it really has had a great effect. I mean, do you find when you're working on your ideas, do you use things like vision boards, journaling? Is, is that kind of two in the sky for the work that you're doing you know how did you find shutting down because the industries you work in are very technology driven how did you find that calmness the shut down your mind and just focus on your breathing and things like that did did you cope with it Uh, it's difficult it's still a struggle and what I've noticed is like there are total freaks who are able to just work like a million hours a week, like an Elon Musk level, right? And at least seemingly from the outside, they do a pretty good job of it. Who knows what it's like internally behind closed doors. But it's like I used to be of the person where I wouldn't want to go away for weekends or I would kind of work like four-ish hours on a Saturday and then like five-ish hours on a Sunday, sometimes even longer and just kind of work through the week. And then it, it became more recently like a balance of like, okay, can I do that, right? So I've been very lucky to have a girlfriend who's just like very understanding, <laughs> more so than she should be a lot of times. But I think life is a balance. And I think this is part that entrepreneurs don't talk about either, where a lot of times we're balancing business with other things. So you did you do jujitsu. I did jujitsu as well. I know how much time that takes and how exhausting that can be. And I love to surf now, and that's like a really important part of my life. I love my girlfriend, and I want to be with her and spend time with her. And I also love seeing my friends and like going out to eat and socialize and play board games. So it's like I could potentially keep working, and I could work more and more hours. But at what point do I want to sacrifice the things I also enjoy for that work? Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's like an internal feeling where I've been on the side of sacrificing too much and then – I've gotten in trouble both like maybe because I've been more depressed or because I've like lost some friendships, whatever it looks like. Uh, it's a really, really difficult process to, to understand. And I'm still kind of working through it and trying to figure it out. Cause I think, I mean, that is a very true, it's people, they come across with, um, I'm going to start a business and they start reading some of these guys who are maybe a bit, you know, they're quite freaks in their own way <laughs> who can do, you know, work 18 hours a day. Um, 
so some people sit there and go, oh, I need to be every five, every waking minute, I need to be working on this business. I need to be doing this and I have to devote my entire life. And then they stop seeing their kids and they yeah. then start having issues. And, you know, like they will lose their balls if they don't spend time with their missus. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think that's the thing is we don't always know when the line should be drawn, you know, the work-life balance. And it's difficult for some people to kind of, learn that again and i think it is good that you know the it's that you have that time to shut off to relax and you know the board games with friends the is going to help you with the creativity and also having yeah. fun and outlook in life then it's a stabilizing relationship i mean have you been with your partner for long yeah three years now three years now so congratulations that's oh thank you yeah i appreciate that uh, so that's something I'm always aware of. And I agree where it helps with the creativity. Stepping away definitely helps. And it's difficult for me to do, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people listening to this right now. The stepping away can be very challenging. But ultimately, I view it as a balance of what is like the ROI on the things I do. So if I work X amount of hours, let's say, and I come up with an idea that like does really well for King Sumo, that's great. And that's worth the time. But if I'm just exhausted and the ROI of spending time with friends is much better for my happiness and my enjoyment, then I'll, I'll tend to do that. Cause that's something I did struggle with was burning out. You know, I, I spent, I blew yeah. the, you know, I burned the candle too much on both sides where yeah. I was up on most nights and early in the morning try get prepping for an interview and then I realized how I was doing it was incorrect and I you know I changed the way I was doing things and template emails all that kind of fun stuff so what was your warning signs I mean have you got to a point where you needed a break where you had to say no enough's enough you know do you notice things like do you start getting tired do you get more colds do you get depressed? You know, is is there things that you think people should watch out for, and that's when they need to sight to calm it down on the work side of things. I think a good observation for people to understand where they are on the burnout scale or where they are on the happiness scale, if they want to be honest with themselves, is to look at how they view the world around them. And I remember hearing this from someone that. If you close your eyes, let's say, and open your eyes, or if you're just walking around the street, like, are you just looking at people that are driving crazy on the street and judging them? Are you like thinking about all the homeless people that are going to like kill you or some crazy thought? Or are you looking at these things as like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. This is more enjoyable. So I think for me, I've realized I've needed breaks, whether that's break from work or even just changing career fields or a break from like personal stuff and going down different interest paths. If I look at things and I'm just like dreading it, or if I just view it so negatively, I think it's watching one's mindset. And that's how I've learned it for me. It's being very, very aware at how I view the world. And I think a lot of this stuff kind of bleeds into different parts of our life. So if I'm unhappy with my work, I'm going to be unhappy in my relationship and I'm going to project a lot of that stuff on my friendships. And it's going to keep bleeding from there. Yeah, I mean, I was I was very interested in your choice of hobbies, for example. Um, you know that you do like you've done jujitsu, where you're yes. it's like a chess, like a physical chess game against your oh, opponent. Yeah. You know, and so you're using the creative. You know, you're learning how to suck people in to use their strengths as weaknesses, how to use a gi to choke them, and all this kind of stuff. And then you do surfing, where you're working on your phys- your body connection to the board. 
you know, their flexibility, keeping up and that sort of thing. So have you found that these kind of hobbies, have they benefited you in your life and in your, like, your business, how you approach your relationships? I think they have for a few reasons. One is I think they make me a more well-rounded person and understanding both what I like and I don't like. And also having conversations with someone like you, for example, who's done jujitsu and I can speak about jujitsu. Um, I also think it's helped me like force myself to do different things. So I'm very much a creature of habit. Like if someone wanted to murder me, it'd probably be very easy because I do <laughs> the same things every day. <laughs> be like, oh, there's David having his like cereal, the same type of cereal at the same exact time three years from now. So I think it forces me to get outside of my shell and to try different things. I like a lot of them have lasted uh, kind of impermanently, which I think is something else that people don't talk about. They just kind of expect things to last forever. So I did jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu for a year. And then I was just like, you know, I don't really feel like doing this anymore. So I just stopped doing it. I just didn't enjoy it as much. I did improv comedy, like stand up, improv, whatever for I think like two years, roughly. And then I was just like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And surfing, I've done more regularly for about three to four years. But I've also gone through phases where it's like, I don't really feel like surfing for a month, or I feel like surfing five times a week for two months straight. And I, I kind of let myself flow between different things. Because when I remove like the fear, the judgment of trying new things, or the fear of judgment of stopping things I'm doing, it just makes life so much more enjoyable because I get to try all these things. I get to meet all these people. I get to have conversations with people like you where I know what it's like to do jujitsu and it's really cool to converse about. And it just makes life better. It really does. Yeah. I mean, that's why I was so interested to speak to you because I knew that, that you were, even though like people kind of go, oh yeah, you know, he's, he works for Noah, I knew that there was so much more to you that, and the stuff. I mean, I've got a whole section on growth of things that I'm just going to ignore for just now because yeah. I, I really want to have you. I, I really want to have you on again so we yeah. can go into, into greater detail on that. But I mean, how? What do you think was holding you back? I mean, if you had your time again, do you think anything held you back when you were younger to becoming where you are now, or do you think you had to go through? everything that you've gone through to become the man that you are? I think I had to go through everything I went through. That doesn't mean it's easy. What's funny is I tend to be the type of person who does things too long, which is a double-edged sword, right? Because it also means I persist through things that ultimately become successful in some cases. But a lot of times in my life, it's meant like I've done things way too long and then I get kind of moody about them and then I resent those things. And then it's just like kind of weird. And then on the other side, I know people like I have a very good friend who she just does things for way too little time. And she just jumps from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And both extremes are probably unhealthy. And both extremes are probably not best for personal growth. Or maybe they are. I guess it depends. But for me, I think I had to just do the things the way I do them. And I'm still trying to figure it out every day. And especially being in business and being a GM, I think the beauty of what I really enjoy about business and the beauty of what I really enjoy about startups is it's like a game, right? It's like a puzzle where ultimately it's so humbling because things can either accelerate or decelerate so quickly and things can fail or succeed no matter who you are, no matter how successful you've been. So we alluded to the referral 
product we've been building uh, that just hasn't taken off like we want it to take off despite us having success with other products in the past. And it's a puzzle to figure out why things work and why things don't. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another great takeaway. I mean, you mentioned it earlier as well about everybody assumes, oh, they're, they're big, you know, like Pat Flynn, Noah, um, all yeah. these kind of people, because they make such big money and they've got such a massive company and, you know, they know it all. And a lot of times, they, you know, stuff's going everywhere. They're trying to figure things out as they go. You know, you don't need to have a perfect plan. You just need to start and see where it goes. And, you know, maybe you're the person that fits in the middle and just runs somebody else's company. That's okay. But, you know, it, yeah. I, the worst thing, I think, is to get to 80, 90 years old and have regrets and think, what if? And I think that's what my biggest worry is for a lot of guys listening is that they, they just yeah. listen to these kind of things, but they don't go, do you know what? I'm going to give it a go. And they've got something burning inside them that they think, do you know what? I really wish I could give a shot to this. And this is why I did the podcast. I mean, if it's a, even if it bought me a couple of beers every so often, I didn't expect it to make the interview half the people I've, I have, but it has changed my life from doing it. And, you know, if you, if you think back, you know, if you'd maybe not played with Lego as a kid as much, you know, would you have possibly enjoyed the the construction and thought, okay, you know, and that that maybe had shaped your choices later in life, and you know, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of look at it. I mean, I've got a whole thing on, you know, how to build a brand, how to build a product, and this sort of stuff. But I mean, I'd love to have you on again to f- to focus on that. But I want to find out more about you as a person. Um, so I'm actually gonna if you yes. if you've okay. got time, I'm I'm gonna bring back. Uh, section that people either loved and the guest hated um i call it the fast break uh, fast break questions so i throw out i throw oh, out prompts and you just hit me back with whatever comes into your mind so an easy one to start with um apart from this one what's your favorite podcast I so I love Noah's podcast, Noah Kagan presents, and part of it is because I work for Noah, so I'm, I'm really say. biased, obviously. Uh, but <laughs> another part of it is I I really like the guests he has. I think they're really really fantastic guests, and he asks some really personal questions. I also really like the Bill Simmons podcast, which is a sports podcast, and the reason I like that is there's just like a lot of free form, free flowing conversation about sports, and it's like just it's nice it's like nice to hear authentic people say authentic things versus like a lot of pre-recorded like super hyper edited stuff yeah i mean that's why i like this because i actually people just talk you know and you can tell it's not this just the rehashed media answers like mark bell mark yeah. um, had mark bell on who was telling me about things that have motivated him in life and he i remember him saying like Oh, I don't really get a chance to talk about this because people just want to talk about the weight stuff. And I thought, this is why I love this. Yeah. There's sides of people that you don't get to see, but when you start questioning them, and you know, like a, like you with the Lego, and like sometimes like people's upbringings, and um, it's amazing how it can change. It can open up, and you can see and go, oh, okay. And it's made me a better person just by getting to speak to guys like yourself. And this is why I'm so I'm so glad to have you on. Because, because people awesome. sometimes can't relate to some of the the massive names, but when they can see somebody like yourself who's been so successful, they think, 
okay, I can do this. This is, you know, you motivated other people to do it. So if you had to sum it up, why do you think you've been so successful compared to, say, 50 other general managers in other companies who maybe haven't got to the heights that you have? Mm. Uh, so it's interesting to say this because especially hearing you mention Mark Bell and then Mark Devine, they're probably going to be like, who the heck is this random David Kelly on my podcast? <laughs> Trying to figure out what's going on. So I guess success is all kind of relative, right? Like I think some of the most successful people I know are some people I, I grew up with in New Hampshire, their parents who were very, very simple in that they just had like a beautiful house. They were just great people and they just lived in New Hampshire and went to their job nine to five. I think success for me is I try to do a really good job of thinking super critically about the decisions I make as far as if they're helping a business or not helping a business. So it's very, very easy to just do like the day to day and just get into habits of just like, I'm going to post on social, I'm going to send an email, I'm going to do this. And that's what every Sunday allows me to do and every Monday. And I also try to think about it critically through the week as I go through my daily to do's where the question is, are these things I'm doing helping the business? Are they either helping the business grow or are they the highest leverage things I can do right now to continue the business growth? And some days I answer that more than others, but I think even setting that intention and looking at it more critically like that really, really can help, whether you're GM or whether you're just like brand new to your career. Well, I did want to tell you this, but... um when I initially told people I had David Kelly on in Britain, there's a very, there's a very famous David Kelly who was a weapons specialist for, for yeah, that's right. and people were saying, what the weapons guy? And I was like, no, you know, it was just, that, and it was just the, people automatically go, Oh, it has to be somebody famous. And I thought, no, I like speaking to guys who are changing, you know, that, they don't just follow the traditional path that that the unique that they've made dramatic changes in their lives and this is why i like these kind of podcasts like um i spoke to like sanjeev prad and what and you know people maybe don't know the name but he's such an amazing guy with such a uh, such an exciting outlook on life and how he's doing things and building things up from the ground up and you know you can feel the passion burning off him and it was so interesting to see, to get an insight into his world and his his viewpoints and things and i think we sometimes don't get yeah. that because these old bigger guys build a media profile they you know i kind of shell that they they hide their truer side behind and it's so refreshing when you get a great podcast where you go oh i've never heard him talk about that and oh that's you know he's really deep like tim ferris is really good at that to get them talking a bit more about themselves. Yeah. So what are you most proud of in your life? Now, there's no restrictions. It can be personal, job, business, a product. You know, what, what if you were to die tomorrow, say, what would you look back at your life and go, that's it, that's what I'm most proud of? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And part of the reason why is because I did turn 30 in January. So I'm reflecting a lot about like, okay, like what does life look like? And I know people are like, oh, 30, whatever, you have a million more years. And I think that's true, but I also think it's valuable every once in a while to just stop and think about like, what have I done? Where do I want to go? And what do I want to be? And for me, I think what I'm most proud of, like 
it really doesn't have as much to do with work because ultimately like within a hundred years, pretty much every piece of work that people do, at least speaking of like fame kind of goes away except for like a few people here and there. I think what tends to last and what I'm most excited about is just like, can I keep forging really valuable relationships? Can I keep deepening my relationships with people and keep becoming a better person, a better uh, partner, a better son, a better brother, whatever that looks like. And I think I do an okay job with it some days. I think I do a pretty awful job with it other days. And I'm trying to make sure that the awful days are, are kind of uh, minimized. No, I mean, you must be doing a good job. You know, if, people always say, oh, I, I don't have much. And you think, well, if you've got friends, if you've got a family who like you, you know, who like you, who love you, you know, if you've got, <laughs> right. if you've got a partner, if you've got something that makes your day slightly better, like a hobby or an interest, you know, there, it's not bad. It's not it's to sit there and go, do you know what? It could be better, but I've got a roof over my yeah. head. I've got food in my belt. You know, we, I think we have to remember sometimes that we can't all be multimillionaire entrepreneurs. We may be the guy that sits and cleans the toilets, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You just do the best job that you can. If it's not your company, but you want to start something, go for it. Do you think, I mean, yeah. Are you, have you been using the guys that you've worked with to build the experience to start your own business? Are you going down that road? You know, do you think that we'll be um, seeing you in the industry changing list soon? I wonder about that. And that'd be kind of cool in some ways. I think I have two thoughts on this. One is like, it's really tiring being a founder. Like seeing what Noah goes through, I'm like, dude, I do not want your job of CEO. Like that just does not look fun a lot of days. And for Noah, it's great because he's very, very good at it. I think a couple of things that stick out to me are I like being GM of Noah's business. It's kind of funny. It's like being a parent of an adopted child where like some people are like, oh, okay, like you have an adopted child. It's not your own. And they might think differently about that. But like me as a person, like I still love the business. It's just a different type of child. So I enjoy what I do with that. I don't know if I ever want to start my own thing. I do know that I really also like doing consulting calls. So like I love hopping on the phone with people for an hour or two hours, which I do through Clarity and being like, yo, uh, what's your business problem? And like, how can I help you solve it based on all the failures I've had in my life with business and understanding to get around those things? So I think if anything, like I'll start doing more workshops and more clarity calls and see see kind of how that goes and see if I'm able to keep growing those. But for the business side of things, being GM is what I enjoy as well. I mean, I definitely noticed in your writings and your the things you were analyzing and kind of covering, I could see that desire to kind of build your own idea yeah but you were kind of you were a bit it was a bit shaky in some of the bits i read where i I could see that you were like me you were focusing on your job as well Uh and it's that you're in that moment of do i do i or don't i and i think a lot of guys are at that point you know where we we maybe just don't go for it enough and as like you're saying you know in your stomach when it's the right moment when to go and i think from what i've read and from what i've seen of you when you do unleash like you know let the hammer go you're gonna go places because <laughs> you, you're ma- you're making changes you know i mean wh- so 
if we step aside from all this, what would you say is a guilty pleasure of yours? You know, where what do we see you doing when you want a you know comfort food or you know do you dance to like a really cheesy band whenever it comes <laughs> on? You know, what what were you what were you meant to? Oh man, well dancing to a cheesy band, I I think is just a general pleasure. Not even guilty. I'm not even ashamed about that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I would say the guiltiest pleasure I have is I really am in a phase right now in my life where I love movies. I just love movies. I have movie pass for the next like three weeks until they go out of business or whenever that actually happens <laughs> since they're hemorrhaging so much money, partially because of me. I see too many movies with them. But I love just like sitting and watching movies. I'll watch almost certainly somewhere between two and three movies a week, usually on the weekends. Some days or some weeks, that's a little less, but there's something about just sitting and watching a movie and seeing different experiences, understanding people's different lives, thinking differently, feeling different things that really helped me just step back and get outside my own head. Well, we've definitely got that in common. You know, I, I kind of grew up oh, u- nice. using um, characters, you know, as role models and people, yes. like insp- inspirations, you know, like I remember getting bored in a, it's basically uh, IT support. And I can remember pretending to be Jack Bauer, trying to get the, <laughs> the the call recording in a set point because the information had to go out, or the guy would be getting off, and you know all this kind of silliness. And it made it made it fun for me. But then I started kind of looking at them deeper, you know, and I kind of like, okay, you know, if I act like that, or I'll be a bit more like I'll fake it till I make it, you know, act like him to be more. Yeah. confrontational when i needed to be or like you know this kind of stuff. and we do get a lot of great kind of tips and characteristics and how to act as guys so it kind of goes into totally. a perfect question if you think back to when you were younger were there tv characters was there film characters that kind of shaped who you were or you know what you used as role models or do you know if you look now you think they were the thing they were the guys that you wanted to be like not as much as a kid but i actually really like that you watched movies that way as an adult because to me one of the huge benefits of movies are i get to both explore like feelings that i might not be able to explore like through work so for example work for me is very logical i'm very much inside my head i'm very stoic throughout the day cool calm collected but then I can watch a movie and I can laugh or be sad or feel afraid if it's like a thriller or if it's a sci-fi movie, have my mind blown by the craziness of it. I would say growing up, I watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood a lot. Um, and there was a fantastic movie that came out recently, a documentary called Would You Be My Neighbor, which I recommend everyone watches because it's just so touching, especially if you're a millennial generation, you saw Mr. Rogers growing up. But I didn't do too much of that as a kid. I think I explore more of that now looking at the characters and trying to understand what they're going through than I did when I was younger. And I think it's a great way to watch movies. Yeah, it really surprises me when I when I found out that other people didn't do that. You know, that watching a movie five or six times wasn't a normal thing to do. You know, I could happily rewatch things <laughs> right. over and over again and you know i mean i don't there's times when i, I do analyze them and or i daydream about how i changed a film or how i've acted in a certain way but you know there's i don't know what you mean about getting that kind of emotion it's 
it's like you can connect to the media. Right, you know, and I, I get some people who say, Oh, exactly. I, I just can't be bothered. Like, I mean, I love films like Limitless Fight Club, you know, where guys make such life altering changes and you can see the transformation of the characters. And that's what always got me. Like, I used to talk, uh, write um, articles about how to be like the characters and use them as inspiration. And I still get a kick out of it now, you know? Um, yeah. My, one of my favorite questions is next. If you had, you're sitting on a dinner table, you've got five empty seats in front of you. Now you can, this is your dream dinner party. Okay. They can be alive or dead, fake, fictional. They can be something like a childhood friend or whatever, but it's your dream dinner party. Who are you inviting? Oh boy. This is the hardest question you've asked me all day. I don't don't even know. Uh, Oh man. So I think I would have to have like my mom and my sister there as well as my mom's fiance, who's a fantastic person who partially raised me, this guy named Brian. So that is three of the, well, they they can have seats. They can have seats in the corner then I as well. Also, I'll give you a few more seats. A few more seats if you need them. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. <laughs> okay, awesome. So I would also say the guy who started um, Make a Wish Foundation is really interesting to me. Really, really interesting to me because he has this amazing, like, nonprofit business that is literally changing lives of kids going through cancer. And I think he's like kind of forgotten about in this day and age of a lot of tech, just like total admiration. So the Make-A-Wish Foundation founder, I think would be really interesting. I'd also say Elon Musk because I'm a millennial and every millennial always says Elon Musk. I also think it's really fascinating what he's doing with space. I love space growing up. So I'd say he'd be another one. I would also say a very successful actor or uh, like director, just someone in the show business, I think would be really interesting. And I guess I'll stop there. That's all I can think of right now. But that would be a crazy dinner. I've, uh, and then you, Ian. Well, invite you. You get to sit at the table. You're too. the first person who's ever said that, and thank you very much. <laughs> I can't remember, I'm trying to think who it was. Uh, my brain quickly threw in just now. Somebody at one aid, Genghis Khan, Jesus, and Bono. I think it was. And I was like. What? The? <laughs> oh my god! You know, and it was just the kind of thing he came out with, like Genghis Khan, and then, oh Jesus, because I'm religious, and I thought, so why, why Genghis Khan? You know, it was, just, it was such a unique kind of like he was first, and you know, because I, I always like it because you see the inspiration, the role models, and all that, but you see some amazing kind of ways of some people's brains work, or. They, you know, I like that question because it's not would they get on, it's just who would you want to a table? And I would love to hear some of these, these conversations. Right. Like if you listen to some of the other interviews, I'm blown away at times for how mad some people come across. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, we've been going for an hour, over an hour now and I've got so many questions still to go. So I'd love to have you on again and we can look at, you know, like businesses yes. and developing. Yeah, but I cannot say thank you enough for this because you're showing guys who are listening that it is possible to get the life that you want and to keep pushing and work with these greats and build your own business. So what do you want people listening to take from this? You know, what do you want their, if they had to sum it up as a go home message in a few sentences, what do you think it would be? 
Well, first of all, thank you just so much for having me. I can't wait to return and actually give business tips next time. So next time we'll do more business heavy. This is more of an introspective one, which I think is also valuable. But I would say really the biggest thing to take away is just like have an understanding that all of us are trying to figure it out. So like many days, I'm just like, what the heck am I doing? Like, what is this? Why is this not working? Why is this thing just not taking off? Or even some days like, oh, this is great. This is working. But why is it working? So having compassion for yourself, I think is the biggest thing. And I'm also trying to teach myself this. So I'm saying this as like an I statement of I need to do this more. But having compassion that like it isn't perfect. We're all figuring it out. You're going to fail a lot. Just follow kind of the direction uh, you're interested in going for the time being. And then just readjust the sales like as you need to. And I think ultimately everyone who does that will be okay in the end. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you've been giving out some great tips and there's so many things. And one of the things you talked about earlier was just getting going. You know, it doesn't need to, uh, like we're discussing, it doesn't need to be perfect, but you do need to get going and then, you know, just listen to your gut. You know when it's the right time to keep pushing it and they keep developing and, you know, looking and trying things and, you know, get the Lego out and I'm sure (laughs) we can win that. I mean, I still love that. I've got two, well, I've got two nephews and a niece, and they're both, they're all under seven at the moment, and it blows me away how much they like playing, you know, a Duplo, like the child version of Lego. Oh and yeah, they're so creative, and it just even now I just love sitting down. I mean, I'm 35 now, and I just love sitting and going, yeah. oh, I, I could make this, and let's do that, and you know, it's. I think we've always got that side of us. We just forget it's there. And it being creative and building products and all that, it's just a, an extension of that life, you know. And we just, it's like um, you never forget how to ride a bike or once you've learned it. Yeah. You just maybe just need a reminder. It's the same with swimming and things like that. And I think it's, exactly. I think guys need to remember that. And I think, you know, your, your takeaway message there was amazing. So, What's an unusual fact about yourself? You know, I love leaving this as the second last question. If somebody waited the whole way through to this point and thought, he's an awesome guy, but what's an unusual thing about him? You know, (laughs) what, what what would blow my mind to hear about you, do you think? Um... Let's see. So I think an unusual fact about me, this isn't crazy. Like a lot of people I know will be like, oh, I was actually a celebrity as a child or some ridiculous fact that I'm just like, holy crap. I would say the most unusual thing I can think of off the top of my head right now is I'm actually a black belt in karate. And I became a black belt, I think when I was like 13 or 14 years old. So I did karate a lot, became a pretty young black belt. And then I had done it so much that I ended up hating it and never doing it after that <laughs> but i did it for a while <laughs> you do have a backstory we need to cover so, <laughs> so right. when i mean do you do you go back do you still do jiu-jitsu do you do karate you know have you ever thought about getting back into it jiu-jitsu i did about two years ago and then i stopped about a year ago it was awesome man like i'm curious if it's the same for you but it just kicked my ass so much yeah. and i was never in better shape than i was with it does take over your life and there's so much to it and to be massive in it you kind of have to devote your life to it and i've got i've got friends yeah. who kind of yeah it's great but they don't do anything else you know they're maybe in college what a couple hours a day 
and they can sit and spend hours doing it and they're younger and I've got this, I've got a job and you know, it's difficult to keep it all going, but it's life changing, I think, and I think a lot of guys should do it. Um so I cannot say thanks. Yeah. I know I'm probably getting boring you now, but what um not at all. So I'd awesome. love to have you on again and you know, we'll go into we'll go into the deeper stuff yeah. then, but how can we find out more about you? You know, how do you want guys to get in touch? You know, do you want them to to contact you directly sure. and like if they're interested in starting a business? Do you you know is there a website um, hint hint that you want to drive them to? Are you think you know I think you should start <laughs> think about a podcast or at least go on Noah you know start with Noah's. Oh, you know? What how how do you want guys like if you want them to start from here when it goes out live? Uh, in a couple of weeks to six months later, how do you want them to change as people and how do you want them to, to to contact you or follow you or get involved with you, what you're working on? I mean, the truth is this is all just a big ruse so I could get someone at Lego's attention. So if you work at Lego, just give me a holler. Give me a holler. I want to talk to you. I want to meet you. Get some free Legos. <laughs> That's really what this is all about. Um, if you don't work from Lego, I still would love to hear from you. So DMK, dmkthinks.org is my website. You can contact me on there uh, if you want a clarity call or whatever, you can do that. Also, kingsumo.com is our website if you want to use some free marketing tools, which we'll talk about next time. But dmkthinks.org, kingsumo.com. Find me in either place. Send me your funniest jokes. If you work at Lego, hit me up for sure, and we'll go from there. I think that's the that is the perfect like message. Everybody else says my <laughs> social media is, and I'm like, you know, if I can help you get your Lego set hook up, my work here is done. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that's it. That's how we'll know your reach is amazing. And if you can get me a Lego set, man, you're the best podcast. You'll be my favorite podcast. I'll name you on other podcasts. Right. I am. I'm taking that as a personal challenge now. Well, that's it for another week thanks for listening absorb it practice it use it until next time keep trying to hit that next level in your life